bumper and gooder every time, don't y'all? Well, I do. Yeah. Thank y'all. Glory to God. Well, we had a first service and we had some notes and um, we got about, let's see, can you see my notes? We got about this far first service. So let's see how far we get second service. Y'all want to? Glory to God. It's good to be here this morning. Are y'all glad to be here? Yes, yes, yes. There's nothing gooder than serving God and, and doing the things that He wants you to do. Keith said their service went really well this morning, too. Yeah, I had a good crowd. And um, said uh, Friday night, they had ten people filled with the Holy Ghost. He said that's the ones he knew about, and he's been finding out about more ever since. So it's a good thing. So uh, that's a great thing. Sister Sarah is doing very, very well. Lots of good things are happening down there, so uh, y'all keep believing, and everybody get down there to see her sometimes. So uh, we are going to have a meeting down there sometime that everybody will get to come and, and uh, maybe get a big busload of people come down there and see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, Celebration Sunday is coming up. Um, Celebration Sunday, I, I thought about it. I asked Dave, this is, this is, Keith is not here and it's not going across the Internet, so I'll just say it. I asked Dave, Dave, when is my anniversary? <laughs> Do you know? He said, uh-uh. I said, where's Kate? She knows. I don't know. It's, it's somewhere, I think it's the 17th or the 20th of May. I think one of those days. I, I don't, honest to goodness, I don't, when is it, Karen? Do you know? May the 17th? Thank you, Karen. I, I'm, I, I'm not kidding you. I don't recall which day it was. But anyway, how many of you would just love to get us an anniversary present? That would just be glorious, right? Give into Celebration Sunday. You got it? Give into Celebration Sunday. That would be the greatest anniversary present that you could give to Keith and I would be to give into Celebration Sunday. Say, we'd just love for you to have a new washer and dryer, Mrs. Moore. That would be just a wonderful anniversary present. Well, give into Celebration Sunday. Say, uh, that's what we're going to do because that's what we would love to see happen is people get things that they're believing God for and, and maybe it's you and maybe it's this one and maybe it's that one you know maybe you'd say Mrs. Moore I'd just love for you to have a new diamond necklace we'll give it into Celebration Sunday Amen. for real that would be the greatest anniversary you could say Brother Moore I would just love for you to have a new motorcycle don't laugh it's the truth just give it into Celebration Sunday because that's his heart, for real. He, it's his, we, honest to goodness, Dave can tell you, if Tom were here, where's Amy? She's probably around here somewhere. We tried our best, our very best. We said, sweetheart, it's the 10-year anniversary. Can we not have the tents this year and not go through all that? No, was the answer. We are going to give. That's our job, to give. It's who we are. We are givers. That's, that's what we do is we give. So that's what we do, guys, is we give. So if you want to give, give to give. There we go. So, all right? So how many of you raised your hands and you want to give us a present? So there you are. Okay. You, you, Dave's turning around looking. Look at, look at him. He's turning around looking. So, yeah, he's got your names and numbers now. So glory to God. Well, we had a different service, first service. How many of you were in first service? Stand up. I want to see. I want to get a count. First service. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. Fifty. Huh? You were close. Yeah, you were close. Um, it was a little bit different, and uh, 
you can see I had some notes, but we never got there. And I told Keith, I said, sweetheart, it just didn't go the way I was intending for it to go. He said, well, what matters? What, what did you teach on? And I said, doing exactly what God says do. He said, hmm. <laughs> I said, now that's a smart aleck. <laughs> but it was the point. It, it was exactly the point. And um, he said, you know, well, Phil, sometimes you don't know everything. And he said, I said, that's for sure. He said, but sometimes people are at different places in their lives. And they need different things at different times. And he said, sometimes it's more important than you know. He said, um, you know, and I don't want to say too much, but he said, you know what just recently happened to that young lady and how young she was and, and how close she came to death. And he said, we don't know what's going on in people's lives. And we don't know what could happen tomorrow in someone's life. But God does know. And uh, he said he would do things, you know, now and, and make the impact that he needs to make. So I said, well, just believe with me for second service and we'll know and we'll do exactly what the Lord tells us to do because I want to do exactly what the Lord says to do. Amen. So uh, we'll do that second service here and uh, we'll be led. And uh, we didn't give out the tape of first service in case you're wondering. So uh, we'll see what we do second service. So will y'all believe with me? Yes. Good. So um, what I want to do is I want to start out and we'll go the direction that the Lord leads for us to go out. Um, so if you would, guys, put up on the screen our scripture, Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified. And I would like for everybody, and like I said, first service, everybody means everybody. It means if you have blonde hair or blue eyes or uh, green eyes and brown hair or if you're a man or a woman or a boy or a girl or a child or an adult or... Everybody means everybody. Read it with us this morning, okay? So, uh, because it applies to you. So, I would like for everybody to be a part of the service this morning, and uh, you'll be really, really glad that you did. So, here we go. It's up on the screen. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the... Wait a minute. Say it with me again. Living the... Living the... Good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Living the what life? life. Living the what? Good life. life. Now, when Keith and I, I was trying to really think about it, but I think we were like in the fifth grade. How old would you be in the fifth grade? Ten. Ten, eleven. Okay. When we were like ten or eleven years old, we took a trip I, I didn't know who he was. We took a trip on a big yellow school bus, and we went to the zoo. And I had just moved from New Orleans to Mississippi, and I saw this little boy take his coat 
and fold it ever so neatly across his lap. And I thought, that's the man I'm going to marry. Because I thought, he is so neat. All the other little boys just took their little coats and threw them on the floor and trampled them and did everything else that they were going to do with them, but he just folded it ever so neatly across his lap. Well, of course, we didn't get together for a few years. We were kids, you know. But we did get together. And like I said, first service, it was a plan that I made that day on the school bus that we would be standing here today in Branson, Missouri. You don't think so, Jody? (laughs) You don't think I was that smart, huh? Thanks, Jody. (laughs) You know what? I was not that smart, nor was he that smart. When you're 10 years old, you ain't thinking about what you're going to be doing when you're 52 years old. You think 52 is dead. years old, eight or nine years old? Yeah, stand up. Yeah, stand up. Do y'all think your grand, your parents are old? Yep. Look at them. Yep. And your parents are younger than mine. I can tell by looking at them than I am. Yeah, thank you. 52 is old. You're not thinking about what you're going to be doing when you're 52 years old. All you're thinking about is where you're going to get your ice cream money or where you're going to get to go to the movie. or That's all you're thinking about. But God had a plan. God had a plan for Keith Moore and Phyllis Powers' life. And it was going to be a good life. And it didn't matter how many things the devil threw at us. It didn't matter how many things our parents threw at us. It didn't matter how many things our friends threw at us. It didn't matter what was thrown at us. God had a plan. Now, the devil is mean. And he will do everything that he can do to keep you from accomplishing that plan. But you know who's meaner than the devil? You think, oh my, who's meaner than the devil? Your own flesh. Doing what you want to do and giving place to your own flesh is meaner than the devil. Because you will at least recognize the devil sometimes. But your flesh will scream so loud that you will give place to it when you would not yield one second to the devil. What keeps most people 
from reaching what God has for them, the good life, is not the devil. It's their own flesh. It's their own will. It's their own plans. Keith had a plan. Keith was going to be a fighter. Now, I went and watched Keith fight a few times. He was good. Now, Dan's not in here right now, but Dan and Rob and Dave decided one night they wanted Keith to teach him a few things down in Florida. <laughs> then they decided who was going to end up being the punching bag, and they kept trying to have to draw straws about who was going to end up being the punching bag because none of them wanted to be the punching bag. He's got a mean kick. And I think he wore most of them out by the time the night was over. Was that correct? Yeah. And he hadn't worked out in probably 25 years. So if he were to work out, that we, people are always concerned about who our security is, and they always say, there's no concern <laughs> about you getting too close to Brother Moore. What, we were at the Starbucks the other day, and... I walked up to the window to hand him a drink, and I walked up to suddenly, and he goes like this. Yeah, before he, I mean, he'll hit you before you know it, so don't ever walk up too quickly behind him. <laughs> he was going to be a fighter, and he was trained that way. He, it's just instinct with him. He was trained that way from the time he was a little boy. He was going to fight, and he would rather fight you than pray for you. And he would rather kick you than love on you. That was who he was. And um, I was all signed up and ready to go and had a room, and I was going to be a nurse. See, you never heard that before. See, you learned something new today. But God had a plan. And we saw the future. And we saw all your bright and shining faces here in Branson, Missouri, especially Kim. See, look at that smile. How could you not see that and and not be ready to do whatever God wanted you to do? No. We had our own plans. But God had a plan. And one day I went to work for a doctor. And he had some tapes. And we had heard word before. We had both been to church pretty much all of our lives. And I'll tell this, like I said, first service, because we're not going across the Internet, and I'll pull the tapes if I have to. I have control. (laughs) Not too much, but a little. I was raised Catholic. And I was raised where... You could do whatever you wanted to do all week long and then repent Saturday afternoon and everything was okay. Somebody else was Catholic. I could hear them over here. Yeah. Yeah. You were Catholic too. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been a whole week since I've been to penance. And um, I'll say my Hail Marys and my act of contritions and we'll be all set and I can go do it again as soon as I'm finished with this. But now my husband was raised mostly oneness Pentecostal. 
Baptist on Sundays, one is Pentecostal on Sunday night, uh, Church of God, the opposite Sunday, whatever. He was raised, reared. (laughs) And um, we got together, and I think I thought he was the Antichrist. (laughs) Because they had all these rules. And we had no rules. If you could do it and repent for it, you were okay. Well, you know, at some point in your life, you've got to decide what is true. You've got to decide if the news reporter, if the newspaper, if your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your aunt, your uncle, your pastor, your friend, or this book is true. And you've got to place a value and decide if what all those things say have the same weight as this has. And in today's society, everything is common. Everything has the same value. Nothing is holy. Nothing has the weight that it should have. People go to church like they're going to the theater. Or like they're going to the movie. Or like they're going to a dance. The Word of God is no more weighty than what the news person said on the TV the night before. They read their chapter like Okay, I did my duty. And it means nothing more to them than the comic strip they read the same morning in the newspaper. So their lives reflect the very same thing. This word in this book is very weighty. It is very powerful. It is life-changing. It is creative. It is holy. It will change you. It will heal you. It will deliver you. You will never be the same again because of this word. Its value is beyond anything you can ever imagine. People paid their lives to get this word to us. So that we could have it today. I mean, people were killed so that you could hold this book in your hand. 
so that you could, you could own one of these your very self. Now, I was raised Catholic, and I don't know if you, were, you know anything about the Catholic religion or not, but we were not really allowed to have a Bible of our very own. How many of you are raised Catholic and you know that? Am I telling the truth? We only were to believe what the priest told us to believe. And I'm not putting the Catholic religion down. There's a lot of saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, spirit-filled, living for God Catholics today. I'm one of them. My mama said, you were born a Catholic, Phyllis, you will die a Catholic. (laughs) And that's what Catholics believe. Doesn't matter what religion you are. You're not going to get into heaven and they're going to go up there, okay, Catholic, boop, Baptist, boop, Presbyterian, boop, Lutheran, boop. Not going to be any of that stuff. It's going to be whether you believed in God or not. That's what's going to matter. But whether you believe in God or not is going to be whether you believed in this book or not. And whether you do what this book says or not. And whether it has any value in your life or not. It doesn't matter what your mom said or what your dad said or what my priest said. It doesn't matter what I say if it doesn't come from this book. But if it comes from this book... It should make all the difference in the world in your life. It should have all the reverence and all the respect that you can muster up. Now, I taught the youth for years and years and years and years. And we had very few rules in the youth. Like you had to wear your name tag and and a couple of other things. You know, like when somebody else was talking, you could not talk because it was disrespectful. But the very main rule that we had in the youth was... If we were reading from the Bible, what did we do? You get a Bible, and you turn to the chapter, and you read it with us. Now, why would that be? Because this word will change your life. You don't need to accept anybody else's opinion for what this word says. You need to know for yourself what this word says. You need to see it with your very eyes. My father in the faith, Brother Hagen, gave me something that is invaluable to me. He said, judge everything you hear by this book. Judge everything you see by this book. He said, I don't care if a choir of angels appears to you in the nighttime. If you don't have scripture for it, you ignore it. And we have lost that, guys. We have lost the reverence and respect for this book. Because it's like we can take it or leave it. It's like we can say, okay, well, the Bible says that, but. The Bible says that, but. 
There is no but in church. It's like there is no crying in baseball. There's no but when it comes to the Bible. If the Bible says it, it's so. And it's our job to make it so. It's our job to get our lives in line with this to where it becomes so. Now, when I met Keith, I didn't just think, like Jody says, that we were going to be here standing here today. All I saw was one good-looking man, and he was going to be mine. Then we got a hold of those tapes, and they started changing our lives. And we didn't understand anything that they meant, but they had the Word in them. They set us on a path. And that path made us make choices in our life. That made us make decisions in our life that people didn't understand. That our flesh didn't understand. That our flesh didn't like. I remember the very day. We went to Ramah to take a tour. We didn't have a dime to go to Ramah to take a tour. We didn't have a dime to get out of Carthage, Mississippi. We didn't have a car that would make it from Carthage, Mississippi to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. We had to borrow one. We were so broke, two 17-year-old kids going on an adventure. But we went. And when we took a tour of that campus, it changed our lives forever. Because God spoke to us. And he said for us to do something. Now let me tell you this. I'm a talker. If you know anything about me, I like to talk. But now, let me tell you about my husband. When we're together, he and I, he likes to talk more than me. We got in that car to drive back to Mississippi. And we drove for hours, and neither one of us said a word. Not a word. Then finally, I couldn't stand it anymore. I said, have you ever known that you were supposed to do something and you didn't want to do it? And your flesh is screaming at you. I don't want to do it. 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 And everything in every fiber of your being is screaming. I don't want to do it. 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 
You ever been there? The problem is that I don't want to do it to have one out too many times. What if my I, die, I don't want to do it all the way home had one out when God told me we got home, Keith says, if you can get that application in in time, I'll think about going. And I didn't want to do it. What if it would have won out and I wouldn't have pressed to send in the application and he never would have met Brother Hagen? What if I would have won? Would you be here today? Jody, would we be here today? Jody was the one that said no. We didn't know. What if I would have won? And my I don't want to do it would have won. And I would have pressed Keith. We were 17 years old. What if our flesh would have screamed? No, it wasn't the devil. Do you understand what I'm saying? The devil didn't throw anything at us. It was our F-L-E-S-H with capital F, capital L, capital E, capital S, capital H that wanted to stay at home and not leave Mama and not leave Daddy and not leave the comfort of that 1969 Marriott mobile home that the water froze solid in the toilet in the wintertime. We thought we had it made. But did God have a plan for a better life for us? God had a plan for a better life for us. But we couldn't see the better life. Why? Because that was all we knew. That was all we knew. And you don't know but what you know. That's all you know is what you know. You can't even envision what you don't know. What if I said this first service? Now we today have... Glory to God. God has supernaturally done miraculous things for us. God has used Keith to minister to people all around the world. He has used these tapes, the word supply, the word senders, to go to people that, I mean, everywhere, all over the world. He's used these cameras to get to people all over the world. How many of you in here has a tape or something that he said ministered to you and changed something in your life? How many of you know somebody that it's ministered to? 
had Mike stand up first service, and I had him to turn the cameras and stuff off because I hadn't asked him if it was okay to say it. Every place that they go, Mike said every place. I wasn't sure about it first service, but I checked. They minister in churches. And every minister that they come in contact with says, Brother Moore, we listen to your stuff all the time. And I know one of our friends, he says, you can't preach that when you come here. I just preached it. <laughs> no, 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 don't preach that. I just preached that. Uh, you can't, what, what are you going to teach next week? We were listening last week when you taught this, and what are you going to teach next week? Watching it faithfully and teaching it to their people around the world. Just the other day, we were in Sarasota. I needed him to take me to the mall for something. He took me in, and while we were in there, this, this young man from Norway was there. He said, Brother Moore, I was just over here visiting, and he said, he said, I attend a church in Norway, and you know what we do? We play your videos there every Wednesday night and Sunday night, and our pastor only preaches on Sunday morning in Norway. Now, I want to ask you a question. What if my flesh would have screamed loud enough and I would have pitched enough fits? I'm good at doing that. I was. I'm, I'm better at not doing it so much anymore. I've grown up just a wee bit. But what if I would have cried and I would have complained and I would have moaned? And I would have convinced him not to go to Ramah. Not to do the ministry. What if? Somebody tell me, please. Huh? I wouldn't be here. Okay, but what about other people? Huh? How many feel like, just be honest with me. I'm not trying to pull on anybody for anything. Just be honest with me for just a minute. You truly feel like your life would be different if you hadn't heard something he said. So what if my fit would have worked? What if me pitching a fit and hounding him and not supporting him And being a pain in the butt, day and night, and day and night, and day and night, and day and night, would have worked. You know you can get tired of that? It can just grow wearisome. I don't care if it's the man doing it to the woman or the woman doing it to the man, whatever the case is. It can just get tiring. What if I would have just stuck my heels in the ground and said, I don't care. I don't want to do it. I don't care. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be an example. I don't want to do it. I just don't want to. I don't care. I don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. I ain't doing it. You go do it. I ain't doing it. How many lives would have been affected? The problem is, 
we would not know how many lives would be affected. We would not have a clue that Dave wouldn't have been able to sell 500 tapes of God, uh, God Loves Me. <laughs> he didn't sell them. I'm just picking on him. He wouldn't have been able to give away 500 tapes of God Loves Me. There would not have been a tape, God Loves Me. There wouldn't have been a series on healing. There wouldn't have been a series on prosperity. There wouldn't have been a spirit-led life series. There wouldn't have been a graces in places series. They would not have existed. It would have almost been like the devil himself could have taken Keith's life and just snuffed it out. Because of me. Now, wouldn't that have been a pretty picture when I stood before the Lord? Now, Keith would have had to answer for everything he didn't do. And I believe he would have had to answer for every person that didn't get ministered to. But you know what? I truly in my heart believe I would have had to answer for it more. Because God knew that man needed a helpmate. So he sent me to help Keith. I believe I helped Keith. But I'm not talking about just me today. I'm talking about every person in this room. What if... Every day of your life, you got up and you asked the Lord, Lord, what am I supposed to do today for you? When you read your chapter, every time you read your chapter, I know because I read mine, every time I read my chapter, something registers in my heart. To change or to do every time. The word is living. It's alive. It's not dead. So every time you read your chapter, there's something that comes up to you that you need to change, you need to do, you need, you need to put to practice, you need to... Something. Do you do it? This word is not the newspaper. What if you and 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 you what if every person in this room every single day did every single thing God asked them to do? I just wonder. Are Keith and Phyllis more special? I don't feel too special most of the time. 
I feel kind of like Moses a lot of times. Lord, I can't do this with stammering lips. What made Moses special? Every time God told him to do something, no matter how detailed it was, what did he do? What made Abraham special? Every time God told him to do something, what did he do? What made Joseph special? Every time God told him to do something? Is the Bible still going on? What makes Keith and Phyllis more special? Absolutely nothing. I just wonder if every single day of every person's life that's in this room, if you got up and didn't ask your flesh what it wanted to do today, and maybe your spouse didn't treat you right, or your kids didn't treat you right, or your boss didn't treat you right, but you ignored it and you walked in love, and you did what this book said instead of what your flesh said, how many people you would affect? Do you know how many people you will affect or 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 you will affect? affect? How many people? You see, you don't even know how many people you have not affected. What if we would not have done it? We would not have a clue how many people we had not affected. We wouldn't know. We wouldn't know you sitting here. We wouldn't know you you sitting here. We wouldn't know you sitting here. Danny, I know he's changed. I know. Everybody. People have changed. God has ministered to them. Babies healed and saved and set free. I could go across this crowd and tell them, it ain't because of anything that we have done. We can't heal anybody. We can't change anybody's life. It is absolutely nothing Keith and Phyllis Moore have done. It is this book right here that's done every single thing that has been done in everybody's life that is sitting in this room. All we did was tell you what this book said. And what if you did what this book said? If you do what this book says, every time God tells you to do what this book says, how many people will you impact? How many people's lives will you change? It doesn't matter how much money you make. I was making $1,000 a day in the world, in my own business. What difference does that make? When people left and right of me every single day were dying and going to hell. And I could have cared less. What matters to me is what is happening in people's lives. I get up in the morning now. I spend time with the Lord. I I have plenty to do in a day's time. But it doesn't matter what's going on. The very first thing I do in the morning, I say, okay, God, what do we do today? I'm 
and I, I don't say this every time just to get a laugh out of it. I do make D- Dave mad every single day. And I don't say it to, to make anybody laugh, but it's because I change stuff every single day. Because we have a plan. Normally, we have a plan of something we're going to do. We think, okay, this is what we're going to do today. And I wake up the next morning, and I'm texting him before he can wake up. Are you awake yet? we got to do this. we got to do that. Because I've been praying for two hours. This is what we got to do. This is what we got to do. I'm texting Rob. I'm texting this one. I'm texting. This is what we got to do today. This is how we got to do it. Where is this one? Where is this one? What are they doing? What is this one doing? What, what? Why? Time is short, guys. There's not a lot of time in your life. I am 52 years old, and I don't mind telling it. And from the time that Keith and I started this ministry till now, it seems like it was just a blink of an eye. And if we could do everything that we've done from now till, till the time that we go home, I would still feel like we were lacking doing stuff. I would still feel like we hadn't accomplished what we were supposed to accomplish. I said at first service, it's like you don't want to do this. How many of you, when you were teenagers and your parents went out of town or they went away or, or they were at work and they said, I want you to have this done by the time I get home. And you were supposed to clean the house or you were supposed to cook or you were supposed to do the laundry or you were supposed to do this or you were supposed to do that. And you waited till 10 minutes or 30 minutes before they got home and did it. Right? And you flew through the house and dusted and cleaned the clothes or did whatever. Or you studied 30 minutes before class for the exam. We don't want to do that, guys. We don't want to be the ones that are skimming in to the things of God. We want to be the ones that go into the kingdom of God with everything that we can take with us and everybody that we can take with us. We want to be the ones that know that that person's not going to hell or that person got healed or this person got saved or this marriage got saved or these kids didn't get thrown into some tyrant because we were there and we were at the right place at the right time and we said the right thing to help them. That's who we are. We're the ones that have the rights to do that. But we can't do it If everything we see and everything we hear, we put on the same level as this word. This word is to be revered. This word is to be exalted. This word is to be lifted up. And if it says it, just because you haven't seen it, means you ain't seen it. This word has never lied to me. It has never let me down. It has never left me hanging. It has never left me in a lurch. It has never hurt me. Now, if a person has hurt you, I'm sorry. If a person has let you down, I'm sorry. But that is not God or this Bible. He will never let you down. And He will never hurt you. He will take those hurts away from you. But you have got to do what He asks you to do. He has a path for us for a good life. For good things for us. He wants us to have good. If there's bad in your life, 
It's not because He put it there. His plan for us, He has a predestined plan for you. The only thing, there is no devil in hell big enough to keep you from reaching that plan. The devil's not big enough. He's not. You can pretend like he is, but he is not. The only thing big enough to keep you from reaching the plan of God for your life is this flesh. That's it. That's absolutely it. Is you deciding you would rather rest or play golf or sleep or watch a movie or anything you can think of besides do what God's asked you to do. And you know what? Every person in this room has a different call. Nobody in this room's call is exactly the same. God did not call you to do the same thing he called you to do, and he didn't call you to do the same thing he called you to do. Just like your hair color is not the same color as her hair color, and ours is colored, but it's still not the same color. (laughs) I'll pick on Sally. She'd pick on me anyway. We're from the same place, so we pick on each other. Nobody is called to do exactly the same thing. Nobody. But God will tell you today, when you wake up in the morning, you lay in your bed and you say, God, what do I do today? And don't get flaky, Jake. Nuts and fruits and flakes. There's plenty of them in the world. There's people actually hurting out there, guys. God needs people that will actually W-O-R-K. Work. Work for Him. Most people don't need somebody prophesying over them and praying over them all the time. Do you know how rarely I do that sort of thing? How rarely Keith does that sort of thing? It's like, never. Maybe that's an extreme, but almost never. Because most of the time, people already know. Brother Hagin said this one time. When somebody needs a prophecy, you know what that means often? They wouldn't listen to God for themselves. So you can embarrass somebody by going prophesy to them. Chad, straighten up. Go do this. Go do that. What I would prefer to do is kind of gently nudge them and go in this direction. Kind of go in this direction. Why try to embarrass somebody and just... Ram in like a bull in a china shop and make somebody feel bad. We're supposed to be walking in love with each other and helping each other. You never missed it? I've missed it so many times. I wouldn't want to count it. I'd have to take off my shoes. We have a call on our lives. God has graced and anointed each and every person in this room to do something. Every person. And it's all different. 
And I dare say that most of you have a greater call than you've ever yielded to. The Bible says, even with Jesus, every person has to first be tested and tried and proven before they'll reach that calling. Jesus himself, read it for yourself, was tested and tried and proven to see what he would do and how he would react in situations before he could even be our sacrifice. And that's what we have to do. We have to pass tests along the way. And every test that we pass, God gives us something else to do. Then we pass that test and God gives us something else to do. And he promotes us. I was teaching a couple of weeks ago down there in Florida. And I said, I don't know why. It's it's a mystery to me. Maybe y'all can help me. What is that thing when... Brain doctors go in and they they take your brain out. What is that called? A lobotomy. Yes. Why does people that go to church think that leaders of a church have a lobotomy? Do you understand what I'm saying? They think that Leaders of a church are just going to take the first person that they see. Say, I didn't know, Chad. And, um, like, I worked in the world in a doctor's office. And somebody, say, necessarily come in. And they take them. And they just walk in off the street. And they say, oh, well, you're a good-looking guy. I have a big office here. And I have, like, four doctors working for me. And, uh... 26 nurses and and, uh, this many people working in the office, but you're a really good-looking guy. You seem very smart just from your looks. Come here. I'm going to give you a big office over here in the corner, and I'm going to let you run our payroll for us. I'm going to put you in charge of our whole staff. You're just a... Come on. Come on. Do that for us. Can you do that for us? Here's a big glass office with executive desk. Huh? Is that what you do in the world? Well, why do people think we do that in the church? People have come in the church and they've gotten so offended at us. Dave especially. Look at his face at me. He's looking at me like, where is she going with this? They have. Because they've come in and they want the place. The position. We've had people come in and get mad at Dave because they wanted his job and that they thought he wasn't giving us the information. And he's standing right there on the phone with me, standing right there, and said, you're not giving them the information. I am supposed to be the associate there. Do you know we've had people tell us, I think it was Dan that told us, Dan's shaking his head because he knows exactly what I'm about to say. He went to a meeting recently and somebody, God told somebody that they were going to be the pastor of the Sarasota church. We've never met him. Is that correct, Dan? That's correct. Now, that's like me taking Chad. That I, maybe, I, maybe I'm even using the wrong example. Is there somebody that's never been in here before? Ever? You've never been here before? Okay. It's like me taking one of you ladies and making you run my whole ministry and giving you all the money and saying, run this for me. Yeah, exactly. Ha. Huh? 
not happening, guys. The Bible says prove a person first. There is so many jobs and things that people are supposed to do. Do you know what I started out doing? Working so Keith could be in the ministry. Then, I started out ironing Brother Hagin's clothes and taking Miss Aretha shopping. Now, that's really spiritual. (laughs) And then I did a lot of other medical things, and I did a lot of other real important things I won't get into. That's private. But they had nothing to do with seeming spiritual things. But every person in here has a call on their life. But if they are asked to do something that seems to be mm, menial or different than what they thought that they were supposed to do, by God, not by me. Maybe it's on your job. Maybe it's with your family. Maybe it's with someplace else. And they don't want to do it. You will never reach world status reaching people if you're unwilling to do the things that have happened through our life. Everybody sees Keith today. But what you don't see is Keith preaching in a classroom with two people for week after week after week. Or what you don't see is two days after graduation, he and I getting in a car that we didn't have enough money to drive to the place and having to believe God for the money to get back and doing our own meeting. And, I mean, the the place that we spoke... Our second time on our own was still under construction and they took chairs out of their living room and put them in there for five people for us to speak to. And we got $100. And we were leaving without the $100 because we didn't think they had it. And we got in the car and they chased us down to give us the $100. And we were going to believe God to multiply the gas that was in our car to get home. That's how broke we were. And the first food that we had was dried up carrots and onions that I made a dried up carrot and onion supper. And the shoes that he wore to school had holes in the bottom of them. And he had two pair of pants. And every time he wore them, I had to wash them and iron them. But do you know what brought us through and got us from that point To this point. This word. Not what any man said. Not what any person said. It was standing on this word. 
When it didn't look like week after week we were going to have enough money. When it didn't look like we were going to have enough gas. When it didn't look like anybody was going to show up for us to preach to. Time after time, God put us over. But you must be willing exactly what Dave said. What was it your mama said? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. If you despise the day of small beginnings, you ain't never going to have a big one. Because everything starts small. Every person in here When we walked out, Dave was talking about, telling me, you know, it's the parable of the talents. You've got to be faithful with the little one, with the one. If you're not faithful with the one, and it's the truth. If you're not faithful with what God gave you, you're never going to get to where he wants you. Maybe all he wants you to do today, this afternoon after church, Maybe absolutely all he wants you to do is, excuse me, instead of going home and taking a nap, is take somebody to lunch. (coughs) Maybe they were depressed. Maybe they were having a bad day. But you know what happens? Most people don't stop and ask God, God, what do you want me to do? They're so wrapped up in their life and what they want to do. But there's more important things in this life than you. It's this. And when I stand before the Lord now, and I go, and Jesus is standing there, and the Master's standing there, I don't have to be ashamed for any sin that I've done because it's already paid for. But then again, I don't have to be ashamed because I didn't do what God asked me to do. Because in my heart, I'll be clear. I won't have to be ashamed that I didn't support my husband. I won't have to be ashamed that I didn't minister to who he told me to. If you know me at all, you know this is not where I wanted to be. But I won't have to answer for not supporting and not doing what I... If I... Anything. My call in my life is to help my husband. He felt like we were supposed to have two churches. How can you have two churches if I'm not up here sometime? Huh? That's my call. Just like his call was to help Brother Hagen, my call is to help Keith Moore. That is my call. It's never changed. It probably will never change. You need to find out what your call is. Find out what it is to do. If it's to work a secular job in a doctor's office, then do it with all your fervor. 
If it's to sweep your floors in a, in a, as a janitor in a building, then do it with every bit of fiber that you have in your body. And ask the Lord in the morning, Lord, what am I supposed to do today? Who's supposed to come across my path? Who am I supposed to minister to? Let's not be so wrapped up in ourselves and our own little world that all we think about is what we need, what we want, what we have to have, how we feel, where we have to be, what time we have to be there. Be open to God changing your plans and saying, okay, this is what we need to do today. This is what we need to do today. This is who you need to minister to today. If you will do that, he will predestine and, and make your path clear and straight and you will live a good life. Because contrary to what Jody says, I didn't know what was going to happen. No, he said I didn't know. What was going to happen from the time I was 10 years old till the time I'm 52 years old. But I am so very thankful that we tried our best. And we have missed it along the way. And we've made mistakes along the way. And, the, and there's been things and times that you wanted to throw up your hands and quit. And they, uh, What else? Just like you. There's people today. Just jumping ship left and right. Pastors jumping ship and ministers jumping ship and giving up their churches and giving up their ministries. But don't. Don't give up your marriage and your ministry and all the things that God's called you to do. Stay firm. Do what God's called you to do. He will anoint you to do it. He will give you the graces to do it. He will give you the abilities to do it. And you could be the Moses and the Daniels and the, and the Joshua's and the Caleb's. and I mean, the Bible is still going on. We only have this part of it. When you get to heaven, he might call you a mighty man or a mighty woman of faith. You might be, Hebrews 11 might still be going on. It may be a Hebrews 11. Who, who knows what's going to happen up there. But you may be in there. Because all it takes to please God is what? Faith that you can do what he says do. When you wake up in the morning, it's simple. It's not complicated. If he says do this, you may not see. That, that's why he, David picks on me all the time. She says, we got to do it by this time. It's like Star Trek. They always told Scotty. What, what did the captain always tell him? He had 20, he need, he, what, 20 hours I need to do this, captain? He says, we have two. That's how it's been in our life. We'll tell Keith, we need like two weeks to do this. He'll say, well, you have two days. That's what the Lord says. We need to get this done. Well, to me, what that means is, what does it mean to you? Time is short. Time is short. And not only does it mean that, I'll tell you what it means to me. Many are called, but few are chosen. Why is that? Because too many get up in the morning and do what they want to do. Just that simple. Instead of what God wants them to do. You could say it another way, but that's the way it is. Too many people get up in the morning and decide, I'd rather do this than do that. And it's just that simple. But if you want to live the good life, 
If you want to receive everything that God has planned for you, it is the most wonderful life you could ever live. It is the blessed life. It is, you can't imagine how your heart feels when you know you've done what God wants you to do all the time. I mean, you, you, and I don't. So, I mean, just even most of the time. He is smarter than us, guys. And if he asks you to do something, it is for your good. And the end result will be what? It'll be good. It'll be good. It'll be good benefits that follow it. Stand to your feet. I want to read you this verse, and we'll close with it. Psalm 37 in the King James, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord will uphold him with his hand. The living says, in verse 24, If they fall, it isn't fatal, for the Lord holds them with his hand. The message says, Stalwart walks in steps with God. His path is blazed by God. This just came across my heart. Does it feel like sometime in your life that you're going through a jungle and you've got to have one of those machetes that you're constantly getting stuff out from in front of you all day long? It just feels like that there's something in front of you all day long, all day long. Maybe you're on the wrong path. Huh? Because this just said his path is what? That means God went before you and made your path clear. Huh? How about that? And what's that next two words say? He's happy. Happy. If he stumbles, he's not down for long. God has a grip on his hand. Now that's the God that we serve. He wants us to be on the right path. He'll clear our way for us. He'll make it easy for us. He's predestined a good path for us and a good life for us. He wants us to go through on a clean, easy path. That's where he is. That's what he wants for you. Bow your heads for just a minute.